So welcome in, everybody. I'm Scott Kennedy, your host on Forging the Falcons, the early bird edition, 8.45 a.m. on Mondays, uh, day after games. Nick Kendall will be joining us shortly from Seattle, so we will have you covered coast to coast on your football Monday. It has definitely been an interesting 24 hours in Falcons Nation, Falcons country. Um, between the, the game itself yesterday, <clears throat> former Pro Bowl linebacker Deion Jones traded to the Cleveland Browns, or should I say given away to the Cleveland Browns, wasn't much of a trade, um, but I get it. We'll get into that. This is something that we've speculated on a lot. Uh, I'm on record as saying I didn't think Deion Jones would ever suit up again for the Atlanta Falcons. I got that vibe. Uh, the second that he was put on on uh, <clears throat> injured reserve after playing in the third preseason game, I'm like, well, hell, he's done. And then they went ahead and basically paid him off, gave him his, his contract restructure, which on the surface didn't make a ton of sense because it pushed his dead cap money to next year, which goes against every move that Terry Fontenot and Arthur Smith have made. But it basically ended up a wash. So they saved money on this year's cap in order to knock his knock Deion Jones's base salary down to nothing, down to like $1 million which was all that the Cleveland Browns were on the hook for. It pushed his dead cap money then till next year. It was like, well, why are you doing that? You're taking that huge cap hit this year. Um, because they saved about $7 million on the cap, they will then carry over. As long as they don't spend it this year, and it's hard to spend $7 million in you know October in the middle of the season <clears throat> to try and pick players up unless they you know think they're contenders and, and, and go after a veteran uh, you know, a veteran wide receiver or something down the line, they will be able to carry that number over next year. So it ends up, it ends up a wash for them. <clears throat> the details of the trade were uh, they uh, Cleveland picks up you know a pittance of its of his salary, and then they swap a seventh and a sixth round draft pick for 2024. They they gave him away. They they basically said we really don't want him around. Um, we really don't want you around. Go ahead and go. And there were rumors of that, um, you know, all summer long. You know, that obviously they were trying to move him, didn't get what they wanted. There's no way they still got what they wanted, but they just wanted him gone. Uh, Jeff Schultz, uh, former Atlanta Journal Constitution, now the Athletic, had basically said that uh, his locker room presence is a distraction, and if it's a problem, he he'll he'll be gone, and he is. Um, it's I, I kind of wish they had been able to do it earlier and just been uh, and just taken that entire cap hit this year uh, like they did with Matt Ryan. But again, the the cap hit is basically going to be a wash between this year and next year. Uh, Deion Jones was a <clears throat> was a good Atlanta Falcon. It didn't end well. His speed in the game. I think he's only one touchdown interception away for return for a touchdown away from tying the record in NFL. He was a good, um, a good Atlanta Falcon. It didn't quite finish the way I think a lot of us would like, but I, I look back fondly on on Deion Jones and the speed that he brought to the game and the playmaking ability. So you know, no hard feelings there. I wish him well in Cleveland. I hope he's healthy. I hope he gets in a scheme that fits him well and he can he can go and make some plays. And I'm looking forward to being out from under that contract. There's gonna be the north of at least in the neighborhood of $100 million available cap space by the time the Falcons get done with everything, including $11 million of guaranteed money that's still on the books to Calvin Ridley. Um, 
They're out from Julio Jones, finally 15 million in dead cap. They're out from Matt Ryan, 40 million in dead cap. Um, it's uh, Dante Fowler is still 7 million right now. It's, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be very interesting to see what this team can do when they're not shopping the bargain. And I've joked that they they don't just shop the bargain bid. They're shopping, uh, you know, off the Chicago bears waiver wire list is where they're doing most of their business. So the Atlanta Falcons will be able to roll up their sleeves and go to work with the big boys. They'll be competitive with anybody in the, in the league, in the NFL, for free agents, um, that doesn't mean you want to go spend, um, you know, twenty million dollars on two or three guys. Uh, I would just as soon see. I think I, I said this before. I think the Falcons had six guys that were four million or above, and they have you know basically a hundred million in 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 money that isn't being used on the field right now. They could go from six to thirty guys at four million or more um, that are competent pros. You know, an, another offensive line. The offensive line's played great, but you know, another one in that four million range. It could come in if there's someone struggling. Uh, the wide receiver room needs a lot of help. Uh, running back looks good. Uh, quarterbacks will be will be cost controlled here for the next several years, whether it's Mariota, whether it's Ritter, or where they make a draft. So you're okay there. Um, cornerback could use some money. Safety could use some money, and then obviously you could you could still use some money on defense. But there will be money to play with. So. As you're coming in, stream's starting to open up and the algos are starting to work their way out into the webosphere to find you. Go ahead and hit that like button and uh, and share. We'll say good morning to some folks. Aiden coming in. Good morning. Good morning, Aiden. He says he's sad to see Debo go. <clears throat> I have officially seen enough from Mariota. It's time for Ritter season. Yeah, I um again you start talking about if they start losing games and if Mariota's not playing well, um and it's it's strange. It's like you don't feel like Mariota's playing poorly, but then at the end of the day, his numbers are what they are, and um, which which aren't good. His numbers aren't good. His rushing has helped, but Ritter can Ritter can run too. Ritter was a four or five guy at the combine, the fastest combine guy. Um, I do like seeing Mariota pull the ball down, but when the Falcons start moving the ball, it's when they stop throwing the ball. Um, but you know, to be fair, you've got one. Big time, you know, one plus target on the field right now in Drake London. Uh, after that, you've got Alameda Zacchaeus, who was a wide receiver four last year. You've got your replacement tight ends. You don't have Cordero Patterson. So at the beginning of this year, this wide receiver room was ranked last in the NFL by Pro Football Focus or someone who does all of those. And, um, you know, it's it's okay. You know, Demir Bird uh, had a big catch. Uh, Cordero Hodge had a uh had a, had a good, had a big catch, but those aren't big time weapons out there. So the passing game has suffered a little bit. How much of that's on Mariota? How much of it's on the receivers um, or lack thereof? It's, it's a question. So I, we're getting close, Aiden. <clears throat> I agree with that. I think we're, we're, we're getting close um, two and four, two and five. I know uh, a lot of folks on the beat had pointed to the game against the Panthers. I think it's week eight home game against the Panthers as a place where it might make sense to start seeing some Desmond Ritter. Dave comes in. He says, good morning, guys. Good morning, guys. Uh, good morning, Dave. Appreciate you being here. Um, throw in some comments. Again, this chat, it, this is, we do these live because we enjoy the uh, the back and forth with the, with the chat. So otherwise, I just record it and hit send. So 
make sure you're, you're throwing in those comments. And uh, Steve Kennedy says, good morning, sir. Good morning, Mr. Kennedy. Good morning. Happy Monday for you. Um, Blizzard Mike Ryerson, he says, uh, Mariota's playing the best football he can. The ref screwed us. They don't want us to beat that little boy, Tom. That was, uh, I put disgraceful in the title, and we can get more into that. That that call that on Grady Jarrett was so disgraceful that people weren't even talking about how bad the call was that extended their previous uh, third down with uh, against A.J. Terrell on a holding as he's riding his guy across the middle within five yards of the line of scrimmage. That's not a hold. That's a jam. Um, you know, I saw some folks say later, well, what about the pass interference call? What, a, what about the pass interference call? Um, the receiver caught the ball three yards out of bounds. No way is he getting that foot down. I, I would say of the three calls, that was the one I can make the most argument against because the receiver caught it. He was nowhere near coming down in bounds. Yeah, he got a little shove, of course, but he wouldn't have been able to catch it if he was in bounds. It's an uncatchable ball. That's not pass interference. Um, illegal contact, it's it's close. I'll give him that. You know, you, you know, it's it's arguable for sure. Should it have been, should it not have been. But compared to the other two on that drive, it, it wasn't close. That call against A.J. Terrell was awful. And it was the, the one on, on Grady Jarrett was so bad that people don't even talk about the one on A.J. Terrell that should have forced a punt a minute earlier. Oh, man, that was uh, that was that was tough. Uh, Michael Rinkio, and we'll get more into that when Nick gets here as well. Uh, I'll probably get more fired up when I have someone to bounce it in and, in and off of. I just... It, you just feel cheated. You, you really do. You know, there's a big contingent of folks that think the NFL is fixed anyway. They've got a pretty good argument watching that game yesterday. I mean, the Falcons had a drive snuffed out in the first quarter on a holding call on Drew Dahlman. That wasn't even close to a holding call. It was one of the ones I tweeted about while I was watching live. I'm like, the, the, I've got my problems with Drew Dahlman. Not on that play. He, he sealed off his guy, uh, and then Chris Lindstrom comes down and helps him. There's no way that's a hold. Um, so, you know, I don't – One of some of the universal truths of football fans is, one, the refs are out to get us. Two, um, the announcers are out to get us. So they're, they're always biased. And But, you know, every once in a while – they go bad. The the refs, the calls go really, really bad against you. And this one was yesterday was disgraceful. That was that was the best way I, I I put it in the title. I'm not afraid. I don't think that's hyperbole. That was uh disgraceful. As uh Groundhog Day said, what do you think about this? Uh Steve Kennedy, the groundhog, he says, What do you think about that roughing call? It was disgraceful. There's there's no way on God's green earth that is roughing roughing the passer um, at all. <laughs> Just no way. Um, Dave says, I'm starting to see Coach Peace defense take shape. It still drives me a little crazy, but I'm coming around. Um, Dave, I just, for me, it's so much personnel. You know, when, when you start talking about, you know, what, what can Dean Peace do? Um, the personnel still aren't there yet. You know, you're, you're, You've got a journeyman edge in Lorenzo Carter who's playing okay. You've got a rookie edge in Arnold Emichetti who's playing okay, but he's still a rookie. Um, D'Angelo Malone, the other edge that you drafted, wasn't even active yesterday. Uh, Ade Ogundeji has been poor at edge. Um, I think 
you, uh, of your uh, of your three starting down linemen, or at least the ones that are playing in crunch time. One of them you signed uh, and was on your practice squad, and Abdul Anderson. I think he's playing great. You know I, that last drive, the three down linemen that got two stops, not just one. They got two stops on that on that final drive. Um, was Taquan Graham, a former fifth round pick, second year man? I think he's playing great. And then uh, Abdullah Anderson and Grady Jarrett. Grady Jarrett's playing like a Pro Bowl, Pro Bowler. He's got two right now on his on his resume. He should. He's playing at a, a high Pro Bowl level this year. Uh, he's just unblockable. Uh, taking care of the run in the past, Grady Jarrett has been fantastic, just fantastic. Um, but then you know you've got Casey Hayward is kind of starting to find his feet a little bit. Uh, the, your, your nickel corner has been, uh, Isaiah Oliver is who you'd like to be. He's not ready yet. He just came off injured reserve. He's not off injured reserve yet. He's in the window where he's at practice. That would be a big piece to come back. Um, you know, you've got Mike Ford out there a replacement level corner. So you're still down a couple of, a couple of defensive backs. And then the depth just isn't there. You know, when you go into Timmy Horn and Matt Dickerson, and um, you know, then your your second string uh, defensive backs, it's you, you've got no depth. So thirty percent of the time on there, you you've got guys who probably shouldn't be in the NFL right now because you're playing with hundred and eight million dollars of your of your payroll, hundred eight million out of two hundred eight million. You're missing a hundred million dollars. There's your depth on defense, Dave. Um, you know, with with another high draft pick. You know, if you if you're able to get a, a high draft pick and and get a fire breathing edge coming in, get a second year from Arnold Lebacchetti, go get a legit um, defense. You know, another front five player in free agency. I think, and then another corner, and then at least one more corner. I, I think you'll start feeling a little bit better about Dean Peace. I got no problems with Dean Peace. I really don't. Not a one. Um, here we go. Um, Hayden says Mary got saved yesterday from that penalty. He probably would have thrown a pick or fumbled. Now, Aiden's a little down on Mariota right now, but he didn't. Mariota, Mariota took uh, Mariota took care of the ball. Um, and Michael says that roughing roughing call on Brady was uh, was a bad call. It wasn't just a bad call; it was atrocious. It was <clears throat> it was it was cheating. I mean, it was it, it cheated the Falcons out of a chance in that game that they deserve to win or lose on their own merits. Um, and not that not that anybody else doesn't. They all do. I, I don't like seeing games that are decided by officials. I want to see Marcus Mariota with the ball in his hands, three minutes left in a timeout, which is what he would have had. And if the, if the Buccaneers, you know, not that I expect to go down and win it, but they fought back in that game and they deserved the shot that they earned. They earned it twice. I mentioned the holding call on A.J. Terrell was awful. That doesn't even get talked about because the roughing the passing passer call on Grady Jarrett was so atrocious. No one's even talking about that they already got a stop two, you know, three plays earlier that they were given a first down on on the AJ Terrell phantom hold call. So just just terrible. Anthony Evans comes in. He says, worst call I've seen in a while. I agree. I mean, that one, that one's right up there with the uh the New Orleans Saints pass interference call where they actually changed the rule that was so bad. It was so bad they actually put in a different rule on how to call. The Saints getting screwed in the playoffs, uh, that was that's the worst call I've ever seen. This one was in, in the neighborhood. Uh, Kevin Mapp coming on Facebook says, good morning, Scott. 
And uh, I would uh, would like to say good morning to someone else, too. Nick Kendall is now here with us this morning. Appreciate you coming in, Nick, all the way in from Seattle. Uh, how are you doing this morning, my friend? Man, uh, what a uh, what a terrible sports weekend for me. Uh, my St. Louis Cardinals get swept out of the playoffs, and neither of my football teams are in. Not only do they not score touchdowns, they're in games where they don't score touchdowns. So Iowa loses 9-6. to six. The Broncos lose 12-9. to nine. Pain. Pain. What a terrible one. Um, and also, it's just nonstop smoky here in Seattle. So ready for some relief, ready to exercise some demons, as they say. And uh looks like you guys, I mean, I saw it too. Uh, you guys definitely have some things to talk about as well. I'm here for the uh, the cope, though. Maybe this is one of those games at the end of the year where it's like, you know what? If we would have won this game, we'd have been picking eight. Nobody wants to hear that right now. But uh, it's one of the I'm, I'm, I'm going to be here to add a little bit of sugar to the uh, the salt. Yeah, it's it's you know, it doesn't help. Now, you know, like last year at the end of the season, when you're playing the Saints, you, you don't want to lose that game. No. You know, I think it was a final game, but it's like at the end of the day, I'm, I have to like really think I'm like, I think it was the Saints that was a final game. I don't really even remember what I remember was you got about six extra spots in the pick for it. And you got Drake London by, yeah. by losing that game. Who And Drake London um, looks like all that in a bag of chips right now. Um, yeah. You know, the, the contested catches. Um, all of those things. So um, again, I, I just, when, when you don't get a chance like that, I mentioned, you know, who, who was it? It was, you know, Chelsea Spurs not too long ago. Someone came in here and asked, what do you think of that? I said, I feel cheated. I said, it doesn't, it doesn't, it makes me not want to watch anymore when the competitive nature of the game has been sacked. No pun intended. Uh, you know, when, when the officials are, are deciding games, it makes you not want to watch um because it's like well it doesn't even matter i'd rather watch wwe i know that at least that i know that's scripted i know i'm going to get an entertaining finish um because it's it's drama you know it's 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 not supposed to be uh, you know best man wins sometimes it's worst man wins and they cheat to do it 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 was it was tough and and ro comes in he says um appreciate you coming in ro that feels like a newer name he says how can we hold the refs accountable I don't know, you know, and the dude doubled down on it too. Yeah, I thought he, you know, he he had him in the pocket and threw him to the ground. Uh, that's that's called a sack. Um, that's a sack. I mean, there's just there's just no way you can look at that and say that's roughing. No way. It, it is absolutely impossible to look at that play and say that was roughing the passer. Yep. Yeah, it was a. Uh, it was about as ugly as it gets. I mean, that's. <laughs> Horrible, horrific. Uh, there has to be. I, I don't know what the league office does as far as refing accountability goes, but these guys are getting paid to do a job, and uh, they did not do it or execute it to the level that is expected for this industry this week. And somebody should be accountable to that. Dave says, "I said the national media would cling to the notion that the Falcons would not have scored the game-winning touchdown. Um, I, I don't think so." Um, I think they're the national media is properly pissed off that that was called a roughing the passer. Um, you know, I, I cling to the notion as a lifelong Atlanta sports fan, I cling to the notion that the Falcons wouldn't have scored the game winning touchdown, but I would like to have seen them fail on their own merits. Yeah. I, I want to see them get the chance. They deserve that chance. They played their asses off coming down 20 back from 21 to zero. They look like they were left for dead. Like this has a chance. You know, at one point I text my friend, Mike Brady's going to go for 500 if he wants to in this game. You know, he had 300 yards in the first half. I'm like, there, there's no answers for this. 
And then all of a sudden it's three and out, three and out, three and out. And Arthur Smith, God bless him, sticks to the running game because, you know, he, he, this is, this is what we do. And your defense stood up and got some stops and the, the clock was still in your favor. And that just to be robbed, you're just robbed of the chance. I'm not saying I'm, I'm never going to say that an Atlanta team is going to go down and get a game winning touchdown. It doesn't happen very often. But yeah. you were robbed of the chance, and that, it's unfair. It's it's absolutely unfair. Grady Jarrett, Dean Peace, Arthur Smith, uh, Caleb Huntley—they all deserve better than that. They they all deserve better than that. Yeah, no, it was a terrible call, and uh, it's unfortunate that it happened that way. I mean, refs are going to make mistakes, but also when it involves Brady, that egregious. I mean, it's rough. Um, you uh, you, but you had other reasons in this game that you lost besides that roughing the passer as well, that uh, easy for me to say um, <laughs> not being a supercharged fan of the team, but uh, we got Anthony Evans saying, what picks did we get in the trade? So talking about Deion Jones as somebody that we had talked about all off season, being a very likely trade candidate. You had said multiple times he'd played his last snap uh, for the Falcons and uh, now a Cleveland Brown. Yeah. What picks it was, it was really nothing, Anthony. Um, it, it was, they, they sent Deion Jones, the Falcons sent Deion Jones and a seventh round 2024 pick. Um, and in return, they got a 2024 sixth round pick. So th- it wasn't really a trade. <laughs> it was a salary dump. It wasn't really even that. It was a Deion Jones dump because yeah. they're not getting they're not getting much salary relief either. They already paid him. That was the thing, is they already paid him in their bonuses. So they if they had waited, if they had waited this year, waited one more year, they basically could have cut him for a two million dollar dead cap next year. But because they restructured the contract, the dead cap number looks like twelve million next year, but it's really not because they got like seven or eight million dollars in cap relief this year by paying him out, extending that across three years, and so they're just carrying it over. That's a foreign concept to Falcons fans. I, I, I put that on Twitter. And got a rea- you know, a response. Can you clarify? Does this mean you know your saving can carry over? Yes, you can. I didn't know that until this year because it had never been uh, an issue for an Atlanta team. They'd never, you know, in in the last God knows how long, ever since Dimitrov was on, he was always writing checks that Arthur Blank was having to cash. Um, but the money that they saved carries over, so it was it, it's going to come out about even, but it'll look. Like, hey, there's a dead cap hit of Deion Jones on this. On this, uh, when we go to 2023, when we talk about it this year, there's almost 80 million dollars in dead cap right now for the Atlanta Falcons. Next year, it'll look like 12. Um, but there is, it should have been about three, and that's what it'll end up being in real money and available salary cap because of what they were doing. This, this wasn't a salary. They didn't get any salary relief from this, Nick. This Just was. Good. We want Deion Jones gone. And I said that when they restructured the contract. I'm like, this was a payoff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I went back and watched it this morning to see what I had said in the back. And I said, I said, this was, we don't want to write you any more checks. We are done. We are done with you. Here's your money. Don't come back. That's what this was. Yeah, and it's unfortunate. A good little run there with Atlanta. But uh, things, you know, a lot of times things end sadly and uh, now he's on the cleveland browns we'll see what he does he hasn't played much football quality football in the last few years and we got some linebacker questions coming in joe cannon asking about mikhail wright's injury injured his groin 
this week and Dave asking, what do you think about Troy Anderson? It's Deion Jones gone. Obviously wasn't playing anyway. Mikel Wright injury and Troy Jones flashing this week. I thought Troy Jones had some uh, impact plays. It was kind of easy to see that guy out there making some moves. And with uh, Wright's groin injury, those are always tricky. Uh, I think the Troy Anderson era or beginning of what, you know, larger impact and role in this team is uh, just beginning right now. And I thought he looked pretty good last week. You're going to have to live with some processing mistakes, I think, that this season. But uh, the, the flashes are impressive. I mean, he's 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 a heck of an athlete. It's just fun to watch. Uh, yeah, I, I there was a lot of talk that he might get the red shirt treatment that Richie Grant did. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm glad he hasn't. He's, he's gotten to play a lot. And Michael Wright, I mean, I'm sorry, um, Michael, um, come on, you got me doing it. Because you called him Mikel. It's like, it's not Mikel. It's actually Michael. 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 Now all I can think of is Collins. What the hell is our linebacker's name? Walker. Michael Walker. <laughs> I'm like, now you got me You got me throwing up. Um, a groin injury is a little bit scary. He's been yeah. playing really well. Uh, I thought Rashawn Evans had one of his better games too. And then Troy Anderson. So the linebacker group is dirt cheap and it's in good hands right now. Yeah. So hopefully hopefully they'll play. Uh, uh, Kwiatowski's been inactive. Um, so he's still there if you need a, a veteran presence to go next week. Um, he He's on the 53, but he's been uh, he's been inactive. Raymond Collins coming in says, good morning, fellas. What a call. Yeah, un- unbelievable. It, it really is. It's just so disheartening. It, it, it just, there's really, you can be enraged about it. It's not going to do any good, but it's just, again, it makes me not want to watch. That, that won't happen, but I'm like, you know, if this is just if this is how you're going to do it, if you're just totally going to screw the team over, uh, you know, and it happened multiple, multiple times yesterday that it's it's disheartening. Uh, Dave comes in. He says some of Grady's uh, improved play can be tied to the improvement of Taquan Graham. Nick, what do you think? Yeah, no, that's I definitely think that is a big part of it. And it's not just the Taquan Graham edition. It's the moving from absolutely incompetent don't want to use the word laughable, but, you know, just hard to even take the field level of edge rush talent out there in comparison to what you have now, which is still, you know, you still like probably a dynamic piece away on that edge spot. But those two areas make a huge impact for Grady Jarrett and makes it, I mean, you always like to quote the uh, the NFL mic'd up uh, thing where it's like, Daniel, don't you have anybody else to block out there? It's like, because they're triple teaming him. The answer, I mean, was no. Uh, now you have a little bit more competency talent out there. And uh, Graham definitely looks like a, hell of an addition um he's been great so far this year he's been i'm i'm a bias towards interior defensive line it's always been my favorite position to watch uh when you have a dominant player there and uh graham has been one of graham and Jake grady have been two of my favorites to watch so far this year and graham's yeah, really graham, stepped up graham's been fantastic it's also you, you're also seeing a lot more four-man fronts mm-hmm. and when they do that grady slides inside so when when grady's lined up between the guard and the center instead of the tackle and the guard he is considerably more effective. Um, yeah. He's been good wherever you've put him this year. But seeing him in a four-man at a defensive tackle position instead of a little farther out on the on a, on an end, it's it's meant a lot for him. He is he is a, uh, much better there. So some of it's been uh, you know lineup and personnel as well, and, and it also you know Abdullah Anderson's played well next to him, um, and then Taquan Graham's been just. Fantastic. What a revelation as a second-year player. Good job. Uh, the sophomores have really stepped up. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, you, you saw Avery Williams 
looked like he's been a running back his whole life. You know, one one carry, eight yards, spinning in for a touchdown. It was one of those he, he goes in like a like he's like a twister. He, he ended up getting horizontal and keeping his feet. It was that was a, a great run. Um, Richie Grant stepping up, playing very very well. Taquan Graham, um, and then we. we I guess we could say Kyle Pitts. We've seen a regression there, but I don't. I don't put that on Pitts. We know Pitts is going to be just fine. Yeah, and that was probably my biggest takeaway in this game was just. I mean, we know the Buccaneers probably have the a top three defense in football this season, but this was the first time uh, this year I watched the game and I was like, hmm, how much of a drop off would it be from Mariota Desmond Ritter? I thought Mariota probably had his worst game of the year, um, especially in that first half, and and I know it's like a lot of the defense there. Uh, the other issue is you're missing two of your top uh, defensive players or offensive players there in Cordell Patterson and Kyle Pitts. And that's not a game that you want that to happen, you know, going into Tampa Bay. But uh, Mariota looked pretty rough to me uh, overall in this game. I appreciate that this team could have easily bowed out uh, at some point and they fought back and had a chance to come back kind of like that Rams game. So credit to them for fighting and Arthur Smith for keeping them uh, pulling in the same direction, even when it would be kind of easy to pack it up for the day. Uh, but poor game from Mariota. Is it in the offensive line and the wide receiver depth? I mean, it, the the whole unit probably had their most disheartening game of the season. There's a lot of reasons, excuses uh, for that as well. But it was one of the ones where I was like, okay, well, got some work to do here for sure. Yeah, I think and Terry Ocean Boy Martin Jr. coming in. Good morning, Terry. Hope you're doing okay. He's still feeling pretty good. He's got the exclamation points. He likes to finish the red and the black of Falcons and then either – you know, a cheer, a broken heart. I think he's pissed off this time. Uh, and, and Terry, you have every right to be angry. You, 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 we all do. And it's not, that call was so bad that people who aren't Falcons fans are pissed. Um, you know, that it's just, because it's that feeling. It's like, what if it happens to us? You know, that is like, this is, we have to play Tom Brady. We have to play other quarterbacks. Is it this, what if we get a call like this against us? This is, this, that's, it's scary to think that. And I'm mad. I'm mad that they are calling that. So basically, um, 90% of Tampa Bay fans are saying, okay, we got a break there. 10% of them are, you know, they're so biased. They don't count. Everybody else is pissed off at that call. Uh, everybody else is, is, is pissed off at that call. Uh, and, and Chris says, good morning. Good morning, Chris. So the call was so wrong and upsetting. It was great seeing some fight and life left in them before that travesty occurred. Well, at least the Jones saga is over and we are no longer having to keep up with the Joneses. Dion, Julio. Um, Julio will be off the books. He was inactive again. Um, he's been active uh, two games so far of the five this year. Uh, I believe he had three catches for 65 yards in the first game. Inactive, inactive, one catch for six, inactive. Um, so Julio Jones is getting paid about $20 million this year by the Falcons and the Titans to uh wear a you know to sit on the bench or whatever he's doing standing there in street clothes for the tampa bay buccaneers the jones will uh dion will still be on the books next year but again the falcons are it's going to be a wash it'll be about two three four million dollars net that they're losing in salary which is wonderful um all things considered the, the falcons are playing with with real money next year draft picks and you know, I know some people after some games of, of you know, the, after a couple close games that lost, you know, especially the Saints game, tough on Arthur Smith. By God, if you look around the NFL, if, if you're not happy with Arthur Smith, you're, you're going to have trouble being happy. Arthur Smith 
is doing a fantastic job with this team. Fantastic. Yeah, I know. But I mean, what you want from your coaching staff is to have the sum be better than the individual pieces. And I think that's been very true of the offense so far. I also like what him and Dean Peace have going on both sides, you know, the the balance there between both those units. Uh, obviously, this offense still has a good bit of work. This is the first game this season where it's like, yep, uh, the quarterback's probably not good enough. Offensive line looked not great. Granted, you know, Tampa Bay, Vita Vea, and all those guys, incredible. And uh, the wide receiver pass catcher depth looked not great. Uh, Hodge didn't have a great game. Uh, I thought Zacchaeus, uh, Alameda, uh, Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus had a pretty good game, but just not enough. And then Drake London, uh, without Kyle Pitts there to kind of, you know, play, which way are we going uh, with them getting all the attention? Didn't look as good. Not shocking, not, not worried about it, but just the depth of the, the weapons, uh, definitely. Mm -hmm. And we, I mean, we talked about it all off season. If one of those top two guys go down, uh oh, and this was a uh oh moment without uh, Kyle Pitts. Well, and and Cordero Patterson, you know, I, Patterson. we said I said two weeks ago when we were talking about, okay, where do you think this team could be? It's like, okay, you've been relatively lucky with injuries so far. You can't afford to lose any of the three of Cordero, Kyle Pitts, Drake London, and then you lose two of Monroe's. You know, and, and again, it's one of those things like you know the Atlanta Falcons fans are like, this this is why we can't have nice things. It's like, oh, we win two games in a row. Well, let's take two of their best players in. Um, it, it, again, but you're watching this, you're watching the game and you know, the handicaps this team is facing and they're still in it to the very end and should have had a chance to go for the win on their own merits before that was, that chance was taken from them. Um, it, tr Terry Anderson is singing the praises in the chat of, uh, of Troy Anderson. And, um, I, I agree that the athleticism that's there. And again, what, you know, the experience and the reads that will come, the anticipation. But this is a guy who is all conference as a running back and all conference as a linebacker in college. You look up football player, there's a picture of that guy right there. I mean, that's that's incredible. That's incredible to me, to me, Nick. I mean, that's that's high school stuff. Uh, let alone, I don't care if it's Division One, Two, Three. To be able to do that on on that level is impressive. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, it's really exciting to see them uh, come together. Terry also coming in saying the integrity of the game, Tom Brady's influence to the NFL and its refs. Yeah, it just adds fuel to the fire that it was Tom Brady, right? Like, would anybody else get this? Maybe Aaron Rodgers would get this. Patrick Mahomes would probably get this, but uh, for I sure. I think Aaron Rodgers or Patrick Mahomes would have even gotten up to ask for it. You know, Patrick I mean, looks Tom at the refs Brady's up there, like, you know, kicking out and, and pitching a fit because he got sacked. What on earth is Grady Jarrett supposed to do? He didn't ride him. He didn't. I mean, it's like, okay, you can't tackle him from the front because you might land on him. You can't go low because the because of the knees. We saw that happen when Tom Brady was lost for the season. Uh, I think that was against the Chiefs in like game one a bunch of years back. You can't go low anymore. Um, you can't hit him above the shoulders. You know, I'm, I'm okay with that one. Um, but now you can't grab him by the waist and pull him backwards either. What? Let's just put flags on them, you know. Let's 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 just put flags on them, but don't don't pull the flag too hard, you know. If if it don't don't pull that too hard, you might grab something else, and that's a roughing. It's it was ridiculous. Hopefully, you know. And then I you know I get a my my I get a text with you know Kenny Pickett getting walloped, going feet first, and that one's not even a penalty. I'm like hell, that's an ejection in college, 
you know, and then it starts a little melee on the sideline with the Bills. I'm like, I was actually surprised the Bills fans had a problem with the Steelers OL shoving the dude. Um, he's within his rights to go do that after you take a, a high shot at a sliding quarterback. Uh, just, just, yeah, yeah, it was uh, frustrating for sure. Yeah, really frustrating. But luckily, uh, again, the biggest, my biggest takeaway from this game is that the Falcons could have easily laid down and died, uh, especially mm-hmm. for a team that is coming into the year, you know, transition season, according to everybody besides in the locker room, you know, at what, two and three now, definitely have a more of a fighting chance than you thought. But uh, going into Tampa, a place that Tom Brady, I mean, Tom Brady has never lost to the Falcons, if I, I think I remember correctly. I think it's uh, 11 to know. For Tampa Bay, I don't know if that rolls over to when he was with New England as well. Um, but it uh, would have been easy to, you know, that 20, 21 to zero, or whatever it was. They're like, oh, yep, well, not our day. Let's uh, pack it in and uh, we'll, we'll get it next time, maybe. Uh, nope, fought back 21 15 final score. Uh, a lot of punch, a lot of fight. And that's something that you really want with this team. And uh, I think that's a major takeaway. I know that's, you know, glass half full, uh, moral victories, blah, blah, blah. But I think you can take uh, take that away from this game. Uh, Dave comes in and, uh, and real quick, I'll come back to Dave. I want to say good morning to AE. AE, good morning on YouTube. This is good morning, fellas. Tough loss yesterday. Um, yeah, it's just, it, there's, it's not even the law. It, there's some good things to take away from this game. The way this team fights. We talk about a culture change with the Atlanta Falcons. No excuses. They got every excuse in the world and there's no excuses. And they're coming out fighting. They're pissed off. It's a team that Falcons fans can be proud of right now. Um, Without a doubt. Uh, before we get out of here, we got just a couple more minutes. Um, this is the the last of the big contracts. We, we hit on this a couple weeks ago. The last of the bad contracts is Jake Matthews. What will the Falcons do with Jake Matthews? Dave asks on YouTube. So the, the highest cap hit in 2022 for the, the offensive tackle position is $21 million. And it's Garrett Bowles uh, of the Denver Broncos. The Jake Matthews is scheduled to have a $34 million cap hit next year. Um, I just don't see any way that they let that contract go, but it would be the wise thing to do. They're going to have plenty of money, even with that big number taking up so much space, to just let it ride, to let it go, because after that, You've got flexibility. In 2024, that number drops to $18 million cap hit with a $7.5 million dead cap. Now you have flexibility, and he'll be 32 years old that year. What they're going to do, though, is they're going to restructure, and they're going to try and balance that number out for the next two or three years. And as long as they can do that, there's just there has he's still playing at a good level. Mm-hmm. That's when, you know, oh, the, the salary cap is a myth. It is if you guys are playing well. When they're not, it's an albatross, Nick. Yeah. Yeah, no no doubt about that. We'll uh as long as he keeps playing well, the issue is that, you know, with could it fall off at some point? Is an injury gonna happen? You just keep stringing that along. But you know, you have to have that option out there and uh, protect him with that salary cap hit. So we'll see. The big thing with Jake Matthews for me, and this is you know definitely getting way ahead of ourselves here, but is he playing to the level where you wouldn't consider taking an offensive lineman uh, early in the draft and one that could have a contingency plan where year one, let's say they play guard, but then you year two, year three, you can slide him over to left tackle. 
or is the contract going to be structured in such a way where that's not even a choice for you? Um, because let's say you sign Caleb McGeary, you know, you're not, I know that everybody loves Quentin Nelson, but how has that pick looked uh, the more we get away from it for the Colts? That's a horrible offensive line. One of the worst offensive lines in football. And because they used a top five pick on a guard, which is just not an impactful position. I'm sorry to say. Well, they just paid him five years, like $20 million each. So, yep. you know, they're happy. They're okay with that pick. You know, he's, he's, he's been okay with that pick. They, the Colts have been happy with that pick. Um, but I don't know. I, I would just assume them because they've got, he's got a $30 million dead cap. I just have a hard time picturing that they're going into a 34 million dead cap hit or a 34 million cap hit next year, but they're going to have a hard time. I say that they won't have a hard time spending all the available money next year. They, 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 will they be able to find enough players without having to overpay where they, they shouldn't run into money issues that they can they can live with that deal that big money number and just have flexibility in 2024 that's what you're looking for um but I, i'm with a i think they're going to restructure it i just want them to be smart about it where it doesn't end up where he's 34 years old and he's sitting there with a 40 million dollar dead cap hit it needs to come down and right now it is it is. It goes from 31 after next year to seven and a half to five to two. Yes, please. So on that note, gentlemen and ladies and gentlemen, and real quick, I'm going to say hey to Eric who came in. He says, morning, fellas, as frustrated as this L was, we showed grit and backbone. I'm not mad at our boys at all. They put up a hell of a fight. No, this is a team you can be proud of. This is a team that shows. I love this. I love this team. I like the coaching staff. They, they just, you know, they need some time to, to keep adding to the roster. Yep. 100%, uh, 100%. Anything you get from them this season is uh, gravy, and you're looking for directionality, and it definitely seems like they are pulling the same direction. Also, the needs that you have are somewhat obvious and things that you can add to the roster and improve upon. Now, every year when that happens, like, oh, we just add here, we're going to be good. Well, something else kind of falls apart <laughs> on the other end when you don't fortify it. But, you know, that's... That's the parody of the NFL. So uh, hopefully this team will continue to improve and uh, we can identify some things. And they made two and three, man. We're talking, I had my mindset on this team from the beginning of the year that, okay, it's probably a transition season, but you win one next week with the seven playoff spots. Now you're right back in this. So uh, definitely a lot of fun and a reason to be optimistic in any direction. The Falcons go this season going forward. If you've gone on the road and had a chance to beat both the Rams, granted they're two and three also, but on the road with the Rams, on the road at the Bucks, and had a chance to win both those games, you can play with anybody. You can you can win any game. Um, Maybe besides the Bills. Yeah, I, the Bills on the on the schedule. No, I don't think so. Um, yeah, <laughs> um, but you can win. You can win any game that's on there, which means you'll probably win half of them. So yeah. you you could end up being instead of I think I had this team as two and fifteen, honestly, but the big the big differences with this team were the drastic improvements on the offensive and defensive lines. Drastic. You know, drastic improvements. So yeah. that was what I was not anticipating. And now that I've seen that, and I've seen it for five games, offense and defensive lines are just fine. Um, they're, they're, they're playing at a winnable level. So on that note, I think we've got to get out of here, Nick. Yeah. Um, we're going to hop on over to the uh, Mile High Huddle channel to talk about the train wreck that are the Denver Broncos right now. Uh, we haven't had that discussion since that Thursday night showing they had that was awful football, and then it really got bad. So yeah. on that note, the, the, the Falcons are trending up. The Broncos are trending down. 
Um, and Deion Jones is gone. Uh, I'll be interested to see him in Cleveland. And then we will be back Wednesday morning at our regularly scheduled nine o'clock for Forging the Falcons to, uh, you know, catch the early bird. So on that note, if you want to keep talking football with us, head on over to youtube.com mile high huddle and uh, we will be there. So until then, we will see you Wednesday morning. Appreciate y'all being here.